it was the biggest question mark coming into the season, coming off of the offseason that it was, completely revamped the goaltending situation. They brought in Curtis Samford to replace Steve Briere. They brought in two brand-new goaltenders um, who are coming off of down seasons. And there was a lot of question marks. It was a big gamble by Kyle Dubas. But uh, when you look around the, the, the league, goaltending is probably one of the strengths right now for Toronto in comparison to what's going on in, in other places, which is not something I expected to be saying the first couple of days of December. Not at all, no. Let's bring in our TSN Hockey Insider, Chris Johnston. CJ, we're in the midst of of talking about goalies and uh, the situation in which the Leafs find themselves. So many teams just dying, starving for goaltending right now, and the team that everybody had circled uh, that might be in trouble coming into the season with goaltending in the Leafs just seems to be rolling right along. Yeah, I mean, just a reminder that we should watch the games, right? We can't just... uh game them out ahead of time um you know the one thing i would say is as a small just piece of context though is the leafs were in a similar spot at you know when we got to december 1st december 2nd last year and uh the second half wasn't nearly as kind in the goaltending department Mm -hmm. so uh i'm not saying that history will repeat itself or that matt murray or Ilya samsonov or, or, or both are gonna fall off a cliff but you know there's still a long way to go but you know give those guys credit they've been good i i take there's no, there's nothing really to, to punch any holes in. It's unfortunate both uh, have dealt with some injuries and, you know, have had to, to spend some time on the sidelines. But when they've been in the net, uh, they've more than done a, a capable enough job to, to give this team comfort in them. Well, it's, it's a bit of a loaded question, but, like, we were just talking about how, yes, Toronto's in a good spot. They've been happy with their goaltending, but a lot of other clubs have not been. I mean, Edmonton's right up at the top of the list with Jack Campbell. We just saw Cal Peterson get waived in his first of a three-year deal, oh, yeah. getting paid $5 million bucks. Bobrovsky's essentially a $10 million backup. I mean, if Vasilevsky's not playing up to his standards, uh, bleep Sturkin is now a, a commonly used <laughs> phrase in New York. I mean, why do you think we're seeing so many goaltenders who have been pretty good in the past kind of struggling out of the gate right now? Well, you know, it is a position that has a variance of performance. You know, that, that's nothing new. Uh, other than the absolute top guys, you know, Carey Price in his prime, say, or... or you know, if you go back far enough, Patrick Waugh, I mean, you know, some of those players were, were consistently great year after year after year, Dominic Kasich. But, you know, in their era, the, the, the players sort of behind them in the pecking order did sort of, you know, have one great year, one so-so year. You know, you can't always count on it. I think the other thing we're seeing, though, league-wide is, I mean, we've seen a, a shift towards offensive play in the league, right? And, and um, you know, you, you watch the way the Leafs play, for example, I saw a clip with Steve Eisenman uh, yeah. answered mm-hmm. this question a little bit, but you know how they at least rotate all over the zone, right? It's, it's not a traditional setup that's easily defended, and obviously Toronto has elite players. Uh, other teams are doing something similar. I mean, scoring is up huge in the NHL last season and this year. I um, mean, we just had a nine-eight game on Tuesday night in, in this league. So <laughs> um, I think I think that the job of goaltending is tougher because the the job of defending isn't being done as well. That, that you know we've sort of shifted to more offensive play, you know, defensemen in particular being freed up to make plays. And, and you know, we have a number of skilled, um, you know, guys that play that position in the league. And, and so, and, and the fact that it's just, it's a hard position, you know, year over year. I mean, so much of the goalie's performance, though, is team related. Um, you know, you put the you put the best goalie in the league behind the worst team, you know, we might actually have that in a, to a degree. I mean, Carter Hart's been one of the best goalies in the league this year. Yeah. Right. And, and the Flyers, the Flyers yeah. haven't won many games, right? So, um you know, it, it, it's it, it's a complicated thing, but look, it's a question that a lot of the contenders are wrestling with because there's no question it's played a role in what's gone on in, in, a, in a place like Edmonton, even Calgary, right? It, 
Jacob Markstrom last night said, you know, I suck at hockey right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's why the Flames and Oilers are battling for a playoff spot instead of, you know, at the top of the Pacific Division. You think this might create kind of a, a shift in the way general managers look at the goaltending position and the way that guys who've been so reliable year after year have, I don't want to say fall off, but it's an unpredictable position. I've been liking what Pierre Lebrun's been putting out about goaltending. It seems like every time he... I, just, to, just to pick yeah. up on that, and, and I want to credit maybe Kyle Dubas. We can bring him into the into the fold. Right. Like CJ, it, it's been reported that a big reason why he decided to go with the Matt Murray deal is because it was a shorter term deal. He didn't want to necessarily, you know, look as long term with with uh, with Jack Campbell. So I wonder if that's something that more teams will start doing, just seeing the volatility with that position. Well, I think the smart teams have already been doing it, honestly, and I and I consider the Leafs to be a smart team or smartly run front office. Uh, look, look at Colorado; they let Darcy Kemper walk out the door after you know they only had him for one season, and the guy was was in net for them to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, but he was also in a similar position to Jack Campbell, and where he was you know capable of, of demanding you know a long term deal at at big money, and that was too much risk for for the Avalanche to take on. Uh, you know, they allowed him to walk out. They, they, they traded for Alexander Gorgiev and have him sign to a shorter deal. So, you know, I, I do think that it's, it's best not to lock in too long-term unless maybe you feel like you have, uh, you know, an Andre Vasilevsky, for example, who signed a long-term deal in Tampa, and that's, that's worked out pretty well for the Lightning just because he's, he's you know, at or among the best goalies every year uh, at his, you know, in, in the league. But um, I think it's, it's smart to, to, to keep it shorter-term. But, the, of course... There's two ways of looking at that. I mean, it, it can work as it has so far in Toronto, but then, you know, you might get in a position where if this, if it works this long, I mean, maybe Elias Samsonov's moving on for <laughs> right. that big money, big year deal next year, and then you got to try to find the next one. But that's, that's part of the challenge that we've seen Kyle Dubas actually, you know, manage in a couple different places, his forward group in particular, too. Uh, in conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider, and CJ, the Leafs are rolling right now. They're they're playing some real sal- solid sound hockey, and it, it, we were talking about this yesterday. But we just seem to be talking about so many historic moments that we've been treated to over the last two seasons. I mean, there was Austin's chase down of, of Rick Vive, and then it was okay. Can he get sixty? 50 within a 50 game span and you know just a couple of nights ago we were treated to Mitch Marner making history with 18 straight games with a point I mean you've been you grew up a fan of this team you've been covering this team for for so long I mean what what does what you're seeing right now how does that stack up to the many many Leafs teams and eras that you've uh, been a part of well I'd say it was unexpectedly cool for me I guess on Wednesday night watching that just because you know, Mitch Marner, and I don't blame him for this, but he'd sort of downplayed the significance of this this point streak at, at times when given the opportunity to speak about it. You know, I was at the morning skate Wednesday morning. He didn't get the feeling it was something being emphasized too much by, you know, his teammates or even, you know, Sheldon Keith. But then when the rubber met the road and there's two minutes left in the game and the Leafs have a 2-1 lead, uh, you know, Mitch Marner was, I presume, getting the last two minutes with the empty net to, to get a chance to go for it. And you just saw the way... The guys reacted. I mean, Austin Matthews in particular, I just thought, you know, he's so stoic most of the time, and, and he looked legitimately fired up on the bench after Marner hit the empty net and, and seeing that celebration and, of course, the behind-the-scenes stuff in the dressing room that the team put out. I mean, it, it's clear that I, I do think in a long season, good teams need stuff like this, you know, something to rally around. I think it, in a strange way, even though it's it's a personal mark that, that you know, Mitch Marner's name will go in the record book that, you know, it's sort of a team accomplishment to a certain degree, and I think it's something everyone can feel good about. 
and you know, obviously a reflection too of how important Mitch is to the team, how how well liked he is uh, by his teammates. Um, you know, I didn't expect sort of that outburst of emotion, maybe, um, just because you know I didn't get the feeling that it was such a big deal for them, and you know, kind of sets up nicely for for tomorrow night because he's got a chance to, to set a new mark, and you know based on what we saw when he got to the 18 games, that they're going to be pushing hard to help him get to 19. That's our TSN Hockey Insider, Chris Johnson. And while we're talking about Mitch Marner, we're looking at lines from this morning. It looks like, uh, so after Yarncroft went down in that game earlier this week, Matthews and Marner had a little moment of reunion. Looks like they're split up again uh, at practice today. How long of a run do you think that'll get? It seems like everything's just clicking so well right now. Yeah, I mean, look, they still see some shifts together. They're still together in the power play. I think yeah. as long as the team's scoring, which, you know, by and large they have been uh, through November with, with this great team run, that, that, you know, there's not a lot of compelling reason to, to put it together. And, you know, we know that Sheldon Keith mixes and matches. And I, I think ultimately none of us will be surprised when they're sort of permanently back together at some point in the future. It just, you know, I think that the only question is how long that takes. If this keeps working, uh, don't mess with it, uh, but you know the minute maybe that, that things get a bit stale offensively, you know I think it's something that that the coaching staff is comfortable going back to, and you know it's it's such a crazy year with with the injuries, with you know the, the defense being the way it is, even you know the goaltending to this point, and you know even Cali Armcroft there was just getting a, a, a chance in the top six uh, yeah. before he went out with his injury, and I heard he's going to be somewhere ten ten days to two weeks on on the sideline, so. Maybe that's Nick Robertson's music to get a longer run, uh, you know, in this lineup. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. Nick Robertson, huge opportunity for him. It's, it's uh, kind of well, the Leafs were doing really well. It was kind of the only thing people could complain about that Nick Robertson wasn't in the lineup, and, and boy, <laughs> did it get some airtime. Uh, how big of an opportunity is this for Nick Robertson to solidify himself as a everyday NHL player? I, I think it's pretty big. I mean, look, he still won't know one hundred percent for sure that he's in every night, you know, they yeah. still have Wayne Simmons with the team, you know, there's still an extra forward there, but, you know, I do think it, it obviously opens up a hole where he doesn't have to be thinking that every mistake's going to result in him being stable to the bench. You know, I, I've kind of wondered a little bit with Rasmus and Ian and Timothy Lilligren playing so well, you know, since, since the injuries have come on, if, you know, it's been a little freeing for them mentally, knowing that the team really needs them. Certainly they're getting a lot more ice time and opportunity uh, and, and allowing them to play more free. I mean, Perhaps that's something that, that Nick Robertson could, could sort of cue on here, um, you know, just with the team down a forward who, you know, played some big minutes. It, you know, it does require him to, to play a little bit more, and I, and I don't think he's maybe quite as endangered from, from leaving every night. You know, there, there could be an opportunity now for a lineup that, that features both him and Dennis Mulligan, um, you know, playing each game. And so, you know, there's, there's a window of opportunity, but, you know, he's, he's still got to go out and earn it, right? He's, he's still proving himself to a certain degree at this level. I think when you heard people complaining or, or wondering about the strategy, the, the, the sort of one of the points that was being made was, well, let's see a run of it. You know, I think that now, you know, two weeks is not a huge run, but, you know, there's going to be five or six games here where, you know, unless something unexpected happens, I think he, he can count on playing most of those games. Speaking of the blue line, TJ, it sounds as though, uh, according to what's going on at Morning Skate today, Brody 
Um, is going to be practicing with the team, but not expected to play during this two-game road trip. So he'll be out for, I guess, uh, another week or so, it sounds like. But when he returns and when this team is fully healthy, I mean, how do you expect for you know these D pairs to, to shake out? Would you expect for maybe Brody and, and Riley to get right back together and they could be that? And then just given how these guys have played, Geo Hall, the two kids you just mentioned, like how much more comfortable do you think you feel with this group's defense today than you did maybe a month ago um, coming off that California road trip? Well, I'd say much more comfortable because it's it's looked so good. I think it's a result of team play as well. Um, you know, the injuries get everyone's attention, and, and you know, the Leafs have, have done a nice job as a group getting through. And, you know, they almost seem like they have a good problem on their hands right now. And, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, but... You know, Mac Hollowell's come in and given them some minutes and, you know, put up some points here the last couple of games. And, and, you know, so he's potentially an option for them. Obviously, Victor Mete's down there. I mean, those those would be the first two guys, I would think, in danger of leaving the lineup once once the Leafs get more healthy. And, you know, maybe you've got a Sandy and Lilligren third pair instead of a second pair, you know, as, as it sort of stands right now. Um, but, you know, it's it's this blue line's depth has, I think, Answered the call pretty well under the circumstances. You know they're they're down four four guys right now, plus you know the top three defensemen by by ice time and pay on the team, uh, and the, they've just kept on rolling. And, and so that's that's what good teams do. We've seen other good teams in the past do it, and and you know obviously this, we'll be talking more. But this is the deadline gets near. I still expect them to to add something to the blue line, but it's it's pretty clear they have a number of different options that they can lean on, and I think that that's one of the small positives when you run into this injury trouble is you, you kind of have no choice but to play these guys more and to try some some people like Matt Hollowell who'd never played an NHL game. And I think so far you can at least feel good that, you know, if the, those are your seventh or eighth or ninth options, uh, that they're, they're, they're players you can count on uh, if, if injuries come again down the road. Yeah, I guess that's what you see from teams that win. Tampa Bay, good example. Their opponent tomorrow night won that first Stanley Cup without their star, Steven Stamkos, in the lineup for a lot of it. Uh, and that's who they have tomorrow night, CJ, for the first time since the drama of Game 7 and mm. the handshake line commentary. Um, is there, like, they'll they'll come out and tell us that there's not more to the game tomorrow night versus Tampa Bay, but how much do you think that Game 7 loss is still weighing on the Leafs right now? I don't know if it's just Game 7, but I, I do think it's natural for any team to, to measure themselves against the Lightning. I mean, this is still a a group that went to the last three Stanley Cup finals and won two of them. And, you know, in the Leafs case, they, they also eliminated them from the playoffs last year. And so, you know, one game doesn't tell you everything, but I think if you're the Leafs, you're, you're, you're trying to gauge your progress versus that team because it's, it's very likely given this playoff format that if you want to have a long playoff run, which of course they do, that they're probably going to see Tampa again at some point in time. Um, you know, the lightning have got off to a little bit more of a mixed start, uh, this season, but I, I'm not sure in a case where you have such a veteran team that's had so much success that that matters as much. Um, you know, whereas you know, I think for Toronto, of course, finishing as high up the standings is important. Sort of proving yourself yet again, finding your game. I think the Lightning can have a certain amount of comfort uh, knowing that if they get in, even if they start in games on the road or what have you, that they're they're good enough team to to get it done when it really matters. And so, nothing will be fully proven or, or discovered in a game like this. But I do think that. It's natural to see, you know, how you match up. I mean, both teams have had some changes in the off season, right? Tampa lost Andre Pilat, traded away Ryan McDonough. Um, you know, the Leafs have, have shaken things up and don't have a full lineup. So, it's it's versions of the same teams, and and 
the Leafs know that ultimately they have to be better than the Lightning come April or May if they're going to get to where they want to go. We're chatting with Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider, and it looks like Matt Murray has been named the starter for that game tomorrow. And and I'm curious, CJ, what you think is going to be the most ideal way that the Maple Leafs can handle this goaltending tandem with both both guys seemingly playing some pretty solid uh, solid and sound hockey. And healthy. Yes. I mean, close. certainly if they're both playing as well, I think 50-50-ish makes sense. You know, I, I don't. I don't see any reason to run with only one guy. I have no problem if Sheldon Keefe wants to change goaltenders, as he is in this case, uh, after a win. Um, you know, I, I think that when you have true comfort in two players, you know, managing their workload, uh, keeping it to roughly half starts each, makes a whole lot of sense. Now, if if one of them sees a decline in their play and the other is still, you know, ticking along at 920 or what have you, save percentage wise, then I think you can adjust as you go. But, you know, like, let's look at Matt Murray's history. I mean, not just the last couple of years in Ottawa, but even if you look at his time in Pittsburgh, you know, he wasn't playing 50 games every season. So, you know, he's, he's been more of a 40-game type of, of goaltender. Um, you know, Ilya Samsonov is, is a little newer in his career, but, but he doesn't have a huge track record either of, of handling the load the way that we used to say see Freddie Anderson, you know, play 65 games at times in the regular season. And so I, I think this is moving generally as a league way more towards like true 50-50 starters and and I think the Leafs have a luxury right now of of two healthy players that are performing well so you might as well just keep alternating them. Yeah, Steph did us the little treat of writing down the Leafs goaltender tandem since 1516 and I don't know if we've ever felt nervous about Leafs goaltending like Bernier Reimer, Anderson McLaney, Anderson Sparks, Anderson Hutchinson Cannibal, Anderson Campbell, Campbell Mrazek, and then this year it's Murray Samsonov. I, I, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I don't know. It looks really good right now, CJ. Um, and just well, before- it's going to give us lots of debate as the playoffs get closer, oh, right? Imagine God. if it, imagine if it keeps going like this, and there's no clear number one among the two of them. It'll be that'll be lots of fodder for us as we get towards April. Yes, well, that 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 was, but like that was Murray's bread and butter. Right, that's why he was brought in. Right. He's a guy who has had playoff success. So if they can work their way into the playoffs, I would be curious to see how it does actually unfold. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. The playoffs <laughs> are so far away, but like we've never really truly seen a tandem playoff approach. Really, I mean, I, I think we might have seen something like that in Carolina a couple of years ago. But well, Flurry, Flurry, and Murray in Pittsburgh in their cup years were a little bit like that. And that was more so. Didn't Flurry just completely flake though? So they had to move on to Murray, and they just kind of wrote a hot hand type of way, as opposed to like a tandem. Yeah, and it was performance related too. Yeah, You're right. but but still, but. Like, it was it was two cups, one with both guys playing sort of a meaningful number of games. I mean, yeah. even last year, Kemper and Francois. Yeah. You know, I think Francois won six or seven games. Now that was because Kemper got injured, but still, you know, I think we're, we're it's more common to see two goalies used. Um, in a playoff series, but you're right, maybe not approached as a tandem. Yeah, we'll see how that uh, that works out. Again, that's a long ways away. There's a lot of hockey in between now and then, and uh, yeah, we'll see. I guess it's just how it goes, though, because all year it's like the, everything is for the playoffs, and now when things are going really well, it's hard not to think about, okay, when are the playoffs yeah, now that things are going well? <laughs> uh, CJ, just before we let you go, uh, news in the NHL yesterday, Alex Formenton did not sign by the 5 p.m. deadline. Uh, with the Ottawa Senators, what are his options now? 
Well, they're pretty limited. Yeah. You know, he in terms of playing this season, he can't play in, in the NHL no matter what shakes out. Even if Ottawa traded him today to another team and he signed a contract, he, he wouldn't be eligible to play this season. So, you know, I would presume he'll be looking for somewhere to go in Europe for the short term and, you know, play out the year there. And then from that point, he's got to look for a job next summer between, you know, if he's, if he's not going to be a senator, um, you know, between his agent and, and the team, they're going to have to find a new landing spot for him. But, you know, this is, this is a new one. Uh, we haven't seen very many players that are in his, his shoes. I mean, he scored 18 goals last year as a restricted free agent, not signed by the December 1st deadline. Uh, and so he's, he's in slightly uncharted waters. Um, and so, you know, I, I would think, you know, well, I have no indication yet from anyone official that he'll be seeking a, a job in Europe and, and go from there. All right, CJ, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us as always, and uh, enjoy your weekend, pal. Yeah, have a great weekend. I'm looking forward to Lightning Leafs on Saturday night. That'll be a good one. Woot, woot. It will be. It will be. Hopefully history can be made with Mitch Marner going for his 19th consecutive game with a point. Uh,